We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 333. Oh my gosh, I am obviously losing my voice, but the show must go on. Today, our guest began riding horses at a young age outside of Montana, and she started as a three-day eventer when she was 11, but recently, she decided to pivot her career goals and focus on show jumping. So I thought that that was, you know, always an interesting concept when you make it pretty far into your career in one discipline and end up switching because not going to lie, there's been a time or two that I have thought about what it would be like to switch to, to dressage, you know, in the, my next life. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Ashlyn Michael. And again, I'm sorry for my voice. Hey, Ashlyn. Hi, how's it going? Going well. How are you? I'm doing well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I am really excited to chat with you, especially about the concept of switching disciplines. Um, so let's get right to it. Tell me how you first got started in the horse world. Yeah, so I started at a very young age. I think I was four years old and I started just taking horse riding lessons on a pony um, whose name was Snowflake. <laughs> Classic, and, I love it. Yeah, yeah. And um, just kind of always kept up with the lessons as I grew up. And then, yeah, just kind of everything snowballed from there, really. Um, in my sort of teenage years, I was lucky to have a couple horses to start eventing on. And then kind of really got serious about it in my later teens and then was able to continue through college as well. And then, yeah, I, I went to Young Riders as a, I think I was 18 or something and kind of decided there after that experience that I'd really like to do this professionally. Um, and then after college out in Montana, I moved to Ocala six years ago. So, and I've been out here ever since. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I was going to ask if there was a specific moment that you felt like you wanted to, you know, obviously this was a passion of yours, but to really like turn it into your career and your, you know, like your full on lifestyle. Um, do you feel like that was during Young Riders and was that then what prompted moving to Ocala? Um, I think Young Riders was definitely the first time. It was kind of my first team experience. Sure. Like, you know, they kind of set it up that way as you're on a team and, you know, you compete. And so to me, that was kind of the first really experience where I thought, okay, this might actually be possible to do this. Mm -hmm. And then um, through college, I was able to go advanced a couple of times. And then kind of between the, you know, those years, I kind of was like, okay, I actually do want to try to do this. And I had um, sort of a going older horse. And then I had the Emporium horse who I still have. We got him as a five-year-old and he was kind of coming up as I was going through school. And then once I finished, I kind of thought, okay, I have this really nice horse. I'd really like to be in the thick of things down there in Ocala. Um, so I picked up and moved across the country and yeah, <laughs> settled here. <laughs> 
<laughs> Tell me about life as an eventer in Ocala. What is the eventing community like there? Oh my gosh, it's so cool. I don't think there's another place in the country that's quite like it. Um, um, obviously, in the winter, a lot of people come um, for the winter season here. And there's literally a show or a competition or a schooling show or something to do. It seems like every single weekend on the calendar. Um, so it's quite a special place in the winter. And then a lot of people do go kind of back to their home bases for the summer. Um, but I was not able to do that. So I ended up just staying here year round. And when I first moved here, there was not much to do in the summers. It kind of everything got a little quiet and you kind of planned on traveling a little farther. Sure. Um, but now there's a summer series here too. So <laughs> there's pretty much no reason to ever leave. Um, <laughs> And just, you know, it's it's central to a lot of the big FBI competitions as well. You know, we're only a few hours from some other major venues. So it's just, for me, it's been quite a good good location to train from, for sure. Definitely. Um, when it came to eventing for you and your, your career and your program and you as a rider, was jumping always your strong suit, your favorite part? Tell me a little bit about your dynamic as a competitor when you were doing eventing exclusively? Um, I would not say that jumping was my, <laughs> my strong suit or my favorite part. Um, ah. You know, I I don't know. It, I mean, it was a necessary part of things, obviously, but I wouldn't say I was specifically passionate about the show jumping. Um, obviously, I think a lot of event riders, you know, we like eventing because of the cross country. So I think that is obviously sure. the piece that you know, was super enjoyable and so fun. And it just feels so powerful with you and your horse, you know, when you complete a tough course, you just, you're on top of the world a little bit, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that's the answer to that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what, okay. So tell me what, were there, were there a series of events, things that happened, a mindset shift, what made you kind of make that decision to pivot from eventing yeah. to show jumping. Yeah, so there was definitely a series of events uh, over the last sort of uh, nine months to a year. I guess it's been about a year. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Um, basically, at Kentucky last year with the Emporium horse that I have, we had a pretty substantial fall on course. Um, okay. And we were lucky enough to both be unharmed as it turned out, but we did not know that the horse was unharmed for a large portion of the day. Um, so uh, it was just a really, really hard day. And it was hard on everyone around me as well. Um, and hard on sort of my whole, you know, my whole circle, obviously, um, because we didn't know sort of what the outcome was going to be. Um, and it turned out everything was fine. But that that was kind of the first thing that really it was a lot obviously to handle. Um, and then sort of through the summer, I feel like I kind of watched a lot of eventing happen and just some, some really major accidents happened and a couple of riders were seriously injured and a couple of horses were critically injured, um, around the world, not just in the States or in Europe, but kind of all over the place a little bit. Um, right. and then concurrently with that happening, uh, I had a client who wanted to invest in a show jumping horse, like a, a competing going show jumping horse. 
because he was interested in that sort of thing. So we, I was lucky enough to be able to get the ride on sort of a going meter 40 horse, um, which was quite special. So that horse arrived sort of by the end of summer last year. Um, and at the same time, I took the Emporium horse. We went out to Montana for the four star out there. Um, and he did a heel grab and I couldn't finish the competition kind of for the mm. first time. And so it was just, and I didn't have that much fun on cross country. Cause I was a little, you know, having had the thing happen at Kentucky, I'd had a few right. runs on before the four star, but it just, the feeling wasn't the same for me anymore. And so then after that, I kind of, you know, spoke to some sports psychologists and some therapists and that kind of thing. And just really had to assess what I wanted to do and what, where my comfort level really was. And I just sort of thought, okay, I could, and the, the horse, the event horse has always been quite a natural show jumper and actually kind of is a show jumper masquerading as an event horse or was, you know, so it was kind of like, okay, I could have two quite good going show jumping horses. Maybe this is, you know, worth exploring a little bit more. Um, And then of course with WEC open now here in Ocala and they have a circuit here basically all year round, it just kind of, everything kind of all of a sudden seemed to be pointing me a little bit that way. Um, So yeah, that's kind of, I guess the, the route we took. Right. Where we are. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. What was your personal training shift like, uh, both physically, mentally, um, how you kind of prepared for shows? Any any big changes in your yeah. riding? Yeah, definitely some big some big shifts. I would say actually, um, I felt like with the upper level eventing to get prepared for an event is so so demanding. Um, and to really get yourself and your horse to peak at the right time on at the right weekend of the calendar, you know, is quite a big undertaking. Right. Um, and I feel like in the show jumping, there's more, it's sort of more of similar classes every week, right? There's not exact, there's not necessarily one big giant competition you're aiming for that happens twice a year. You know, it's kind of right. like there's a big jumping class every week, it seems like. So it's a little bit easier in that way. Um, you don't have to get everything to peak perfectly one weekend of the year, you know, or two weekends of the year for your long formats. Um, so that I have found in the day-to-day training is quite a bit easier. Obviously there's less cross training to do less fitness work on the horses. Um, and then I guess for me, just been sort of refining and polishing the show jumping skills more, mm-hmm. a lot more, obviously. Than, yeah. Do you feel like you had, yeah. Do you feel like you had extra pressure to, um, to be like, oh, this, this is my only event. Like I have to be yeah, it's, really it's good at little, just this. Yeah. It's a little bit of a different mental game. I feel like, um, yeah, it's just kind of figuring out how as a rider, I was actually talking with a coach about this the other day, just figuring out how to mentally peak as a rider at the right time. And I feel like in eventing, you have such a long run up to a big right. show. Um, it's a little bit harder to mentally prepare yourself for one jumping round. You know, it's like two minutes of really obviously awesome stuff, but it's a a very different mental game to be kind of sharp Mm -hmm. and turned on and ready, um, you know, for each round, I feel like instead of you kind of, you know, eventing, you're kind of like mentally prepped for the whole weekend and then you're in your mental you know, preparedness state for the entire event, it feels yeah, like, whereas exactly. for, 
yeah. for a show dummy it's a little more like okay uh time to go in the ring now okay like come on yeah. so that's been that's been an interesting switch for sure um, definitely something I'm still learning a lot about um so yeah and I bet that's, it's a little twofold too, right? Cause you were explaining how you have like a really long, um, lead up and, and preparation time, like mentally and physically, but with yeah. show jumping, it's not only are you, you know, only in the ring for a couple minutes and then that's it, but also because it's week in and week out, it's like that quick, that quick focus yep. and the, and the quick pressure, yep. but then also you have to like stay on all the yep. time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think learning a big thing that I'm trying to figure out is how to build not just one successful show weekend right? as in show jumping, but how to build a, a nice like circuit result almost, you know, because the show jumping kind of goes in circuits, you know, there's sort of 10 or 12 or eight week circuits. So how to build, you know, how to put together a circuit that's really successful too. That's kind of a piece that I'm starting to try to figure out a little bit more as well. Right. Definitely. Um, And so while you have pivoted your personal career to focus on show jumping, you still have eventing clients that you train. So tell me about how that dynamic is. Do you feel like it's any different? I hope it's not any different. I still really enjoy eventing and I think there's a lot to like about it. And I like supporting people who want to event and who like it. And I still like it. You know, (laughs) I still enjoy riding cross country. It's fun, of course. But yeah, yeah, just for me to pivot personally made a lot of sense. But I, yeah, I still enjoy helping people who want to event and, you know, who are interested in it for sure. Totally. Do you ever wonder what a world would be like to have pets and not deal with the massive amounts of pet hair everywhere? If you're a pet owner, you know how frustrating it can be to clean up pet hair from your furniture, your carpet, your clothes, you name it. Well, Uproot Clean understands the struggle. They have these pet hair remover tools that help gently remove entangled pet hair from carpeted stairs, car mats, furniture, clothing, and even saddle pads. We tested Uproot Cleaner Pro on a variety of surfaces, including my favorite blanket at home, my couch, and definitely tried those saddle pads. We were so impressed with how well it removed pet hair from all of these surfaces, and it was so satisfying to use. The Uproot Cleaner Pro is a great tool for all pet owners. It's super affordable, easy to use, and it's really effective at removing pet hair from a number of places. So whether you have a dog or cat that sheds like crazy, I am thinking about those black yoga pants that just get covered in hair every time you're trying to leave the house and a lint roller just won't do, or us equestrians having horses, especially during shedding season, where literally you can use a saddle pad one time and then it is just coated in hair. Uproot Cleaner is the way for you. So visit their website at uprootclean.com. That's U-P-R-O-O-T-C-L-E-A-N.com for more information and to take a look at their awesome products. Obviously, you know, with your horses, especially your longtime partner at Emporium, um, who had that experience with eventing with obviously a strong suit in show jumping, what has that cross-training of the cross-country and dressage, well, how do you feel like that gives you an edge maybe on um, other other show jumping horses or, or um, riders and horses that maybe don't have as much experience in cross-training in that way? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. Um, I think in some ways having all the dressage work installed, obviously, on the horse um, makes them more rideable and more trainable in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is sort of that. And and the the body strength and the fitness level on the event horses, they're so strong and they're right. so, you know, they are truly so fit. So having those things kind of in my back pocket to apply to kind of the more jumpery types, I feel like is helpful to just, mm-hmm. you know, help them be you know, as fit as they can be and, and as trained on the flat as they can be. But it's it's definitely interesting. Um, having one that was produced purely as a show jumper has been really educational just yeah. to see the sort of training differences that, that go into it, you know. <laughs> definitely. It's, it's been really cool. My horse, the Emporium horse, is a very careful horse, but he's also been trained to be brave and go cross country too. So exactly. It's, an, it's, fine. it's an interesting balance of finding you know, now how do we channel all this bravery and, you know, kind of the more gallopy open step, how do we channel that and sort of retrain it into a, hopefully a really successful show jumper, you know, it's, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, it's an interesting journey. Yeah. For <laughs> yeah. And I've always heard, if you're looking for a brave horse, look at eventing horses and look at yeah. polo ponies. Cause they're like <laughs> yeah. the least spooky ever. So yeah. that's so cool. <laughs> Um, would you say, I, sometimes um, being a hunter jumper rider and trainer myself um, since the beginning, um, there is, especially in the hunter world, there sometimes is such a thing as being too fit. Now, do you find with show jumping that that's not the case? What's your opinion um, about fitness and if there's such thing as a horse being too fit? I mean... I think it's possible to overdo the fitness for sure eventually yeah. and especially for their you know the horse's soundness obviously you don't want to be pounding on them all the time and making them crazy crazy fit but to me at least kind of the way I think about it is a horse that's a little underfit is going to get tired and fatigued and fatigue causes injury so right. you know I for me personally I'd rather have them a little bit overfit so I don't feel like you know, jumping an extra class is going to be the thing that puts it over the edge and you end up with an injury, you know? Yeah. Um, So I kind of, you know, I don't mind if everyone's a little extra fit, Mm -hmm. I guess, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Definitely. And with, you know, with show jumping, I mean, sometimes um, facilities or um, programs you know, look a little bit different in the, you know, in, in, in the spaces that just offer show jumping. So what do you do to work on your horse's fitness? Um, you know, let's say at WEC, or I'm sure at home, you still have, you know, a lot of areas to be able to, you'd be able to cross train. So what's, what is that? Has that dynamic changed at all for you? Um, not a ton. Cause obviously yeah. I'm still, I'm still based at the same property I've always been at and we're yeah. lucky enough to have lots of big open fields. And we actually are, we back up to the national forest here, which is wow. uh, full of equestrian trails. So we can go out on the trails, um, and do lots of hacking and lots of trotting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think low impact, you know, fitness work kind of like trot sets or even just hacking for an hour. Um, can really put the fitness on without putting the the hard pounding on the horses, you know, right? Without right. wearing them down quite so much. Definitely. Um, I bet 
this, this whole process has been, you know, while there is so much crossover, in some ways I can imagine it being, um, you know, challenging or maybe even a little in- intimidating, kind of feeling like you're almost a beginner in the sport of show oh. jumping, even though. Oh, yes. But- <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> I know you can hold your own in a meter 40 class, but st- I'm thinking in some ways, what was that process like of kind of, uh, you know, approaching that, that transition, maybe feeling a little imposter syndrome and yes. then kind of gaining education in this space? Yeah, I mean, definitely it's, you, you learn what you don't know really quickly, <laughs> you know, right. um, but yeah, just kind of definitely, um, you know, just kind of trying to step up my education level has been really, really interesting and just always trying to learn the next thing and be a little bit better. Um, but, so, you know, a lot of the same mental competition ideas still apply. So I'm, I'm lucky to have that sort of you know, high level competition experience that, and that mindset that I can still apply to the show jumping. Um, but yes, I do feel <laughs> green at the level. Yeah. I say. <laughs> oh, wow. sure. yeah. And I'm sure that dynamic is just so unique because you're, you know, you, you have, you don't know many beginners in a sport that can right. still compete right. at a high level. So it must be just right. such a unique dynamic. Yeah, well, it's a little hard because I, you know, I'm a competitor. I want to go in and be competitive, but I've also learned to be a little kind to myself and say, hey, truly, like you're about six months into this thing here where you've really committed to a switch. And, you know, a lot of the other people in the class have maybe been doing it for, you know, their whole life or the last five years or the last 10 years. So, you know, trying to take a step back and compare myself to myself instead of the rest of the people doing it has been a you know an important step as well to kind Absolutely. of sometimes be a little kind to myself and say hey you really are just starting out in this and yeah cut yourself some slack you know? right oh my gosh I give but, you so you much know, credit yeah we're all we're all competitors and you know so it's like it can be a little hard sometimes definitely to say hey you're you're new to this it's okay like <laughs> totally <you know? laughs> I've always thought I've thought like a few times in the back of my head like oh you know what in you know down the road or in my next life like I feel like it'd be fun to like do dressage and just like do something totally different Um, for someone who is considering, you know, what it would be like to change up disciplines. What advice would you give them? I guess just, you know, give it a shot. If you're, if you're interested in doing it, find someone Mm -hmm. to help you. Don't just try to go it alone. That's not a good way of doing it, but find someone who can help you and advise you, even if it's just a friend you can bounce ideas off of, you know, or someone who's been in the industry for a while longer than you. And, you know, you can talk to them about it or ask them questions and just kind of, you know, give it a shot if that's what you want to do, I guess. And, you know, Mm -hmm. don't be too hard on yourself. If at first you don't succeed, (laughs) just try again, Yeah, (laughs) you know, but yeah, I mean, I think it's always cool as horse people to expand what we know and what we do and expand your skill set, you know, you can never be overeducated, I don't think, you know, or over, you know, you can never have too many skills as a horse person. That's so. so true. Yeah, that's a really good point. What would you say is an area of the industry that you're passionate about that you feel like the rest of the horse world either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? I guess 
when I think about kind of what's brought me here, I've always kind of had difficult types of horses to bring along and produce. And I guess I wish people would sometimes not always think of horses as having a problem and thinking about kind of what their life experience has been and what's kind of led them to the to what they're doing in their behavior and kind of just have more compassion for the horse and think okay maybe he's actually not a jerk maybe he's just had you know a harder upbringing or something's gone wrong along the way and he needs my help rather than just saying well this horse is a jerk or this horse is bad maybe mm -hmm. have a little more compassion about you know what the horse has experienced and try to help them instead of just kind of writing them off or you know saying oh this horse is just hard or bad or whatever you know I just think sometimes we lack a little bit of that understanding and the horses sometimes become more of machines than they should be I guess <laughs> yeah yeah that's a really good point and I think I mean I think something that we don't stop and think about often enough is just there is such a small percentage of horses that are mean and bad for like just the heck right. of it there's right. always a reason, almost right. always a reason. And yeah. so, um, you know, always kind of having the, the patience and the kindness to take a second and try to understand them more, I think is, you know, so important across all disciplines, but, yes, I you know, agree. I know I, I'm sure a big barrier to that, um, is, just the lack of knowledge of knowing, you know, what, what that behavior is coming from or why or how long yep. it's been around or yep. um, are they hurting or is it just this learned behavior? So totally. there's, there's totally. always so many things uh, that, of course, we wish that our horses could talk back to I us. But... Wouldn't that make life easier? <laughs> so much easier. Um, but I think that's also the beauty of the sport is that we're able to connect and communicate with our horses and in uh, special ways and um, developing relationships with these animals that trust us to do some pretty incredible things on. So um, yes, totally, giving, totally giving them, yeah, so just like giving them the time uh, that they need um, in in moments of their lives where they're going through stuff or uh, remember something or, you know, re maybe reacting in a less than ideal way. And uh, yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ashlyn, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. I think it is so brave and so cool <laughs> what you've managed to do going from, you know, a successful event and career to now a successful show jumping career. And so I, I just love that. And I give you so many props and uh, <laughs> well, thank I, you. <laughs> yeah, and I, I wish you all the best. I look forward to keep continuing to watch your journey. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.